and we are back with another Black Window Cream podcast, new episode every single Wednesday and Sunday. I'm your host, Ben Haggerty, a.k.a. Ben Real Verse World, and this is episode 201. Today's guest is Cole Walliser, most popularly known as the director of Glambot content for E! Entertainment. Cole attends major red carpet events like the Grammys and the Emmys to capture super slow motion shots of Hollywood's biggest stars utilizing what's called the Bolt, which is a motion-controlled, fast-paced robotic arm, and these shots are insane. But that's not all that Cole does. When he's not shooting celebrities like Ariana Grande or Brad Pitt, he's directing major commercials for brands like CoverGirl, Revlon, Cosmopolitan, and Disney, and directs music visuals for artists like Pink, Katy Perry, and so many more. Some of the things that you'll learn in this podcast episode are about his first big break in LA shooting dance videos from Miley Cyrus that ended up going viral and getting featured by Ellen DeGeneres. How he leveraged working for free as a BTS shooter into directing two documentaries, four music videos, and tour visuals for the superstar artist Pink. Cole shares his experience directing massive beauty commercials for CoverGirl featuring Katy Perry, Sofia Vergara, Zendaya, and so many more. We learn about the behind the scenes process of the Glambot and how Cole is able to direct the biggest stars on the planet under pressure on the red carpet. He even shares his strategies with building his personal brand on social media, his future plans for his YouTube content, and so much more. I just want to give a big shout out to Epidemic Sound for sponsoring this podcast. Not only does Epidemic give you access to 30 thousand plus copyright free tracks for freelancers to use on any level of project but they also provide you with the stems now as you know my mom is a avid listener of the black and cream podcast so right now she's probably in the bathroom getting her hair done before work looking in the mirror and saying ben what are stems I got you, mom. Once you find the perfect track for the project, Epidemic gives you two options when downloading the song. You can download the full mix, which is a single MP3, or you can download all of the stems. Basically, stems are groups of music broken down into individual tracks. So instead of using the full mix, you could just use the melody or the drums or bass. So I'll give you an example. I want to tell all of you that we're going to be giving away a 15% off discount code on our Black Window Cream merch store, and I want to do it in movie trailer fashion. So first I go to Epidemic and I search movie trailer and in the filters I'm going to choose heavy and ponderous because that's my vibe. I found the exact section in the track that I want to use when I'm telling you about the 15% off discount code. So I'm just going to play that real quick just using the single mp3 so you can hear what that sounds like. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to give away a 15% off merch code to the Black Window Cream merch store. Now's your chance to get a hoodie. A t-shirt, a hat, a mug. Are you ready? The code is BWNC Podcast. So now it's hyped. Everything sounds cool. But when I say the actual code, uh, it's too powerful. The music's too powerful. And you can't even really hear me say what the code was, which is BWNC Podcast. You can use it right now. So instead, what happens if we let the music play as is? And when I say the code, I drop everything out. And all we hear is just the drum tracks. That might be fire. Let's give it a shot. A t-shirt, a hat, a mug. Are you ready? The code is BWNC Podcast. So there's an example of how the flexibility of using stems can make uh, uh, you know, voiceover sound better or give you just so many different options when choosing the music you want to use on your next project. Epidemic is giving a special offer to the Black Window Cream community. Use the code BWNC at checkout to get a 30-day free trial and 50% off the first month. Link is in the description. We're excited to get to this episode today, um, but if it's your first time tuning to the podcast, you are probably wondering. What the fuck is Black With No Cream? Great question. Black With No Cream is the illest educational resource for content creators fueled by caffeine. Or at least I take my coffee Black With No Cream, but you can drink or not drink whatever caffeine you fuck with and still be a part of our community. We have thousands of members from all around the world working together by sharing content, asking for feedback, passing tips and tricks along to one another with the goal of pushing each other to become the best motherfucking content creators on earth. And you can join our private group if you want to by going to bwnc.com slash join. We would love to fucking have you. Please join. And without further ado, I bring to you my episode with Cole and the most epic podcast intro ever created right motherfucking now. Attention. If you stop this podcast recording at any time, you will die. I don't want to die. Do you want to live? Yeah. You have 24 hours to share this podcast with five people or you will die. I'm kidding. You won't die. You're just weak shit for not sharing. And the winner of the best motherfucking podcast goes to... Black with no cream. What do you think? It's so fucking dumb and so fucking Ben Haggerty. I knew you would say that. Ladies and gentlemen, we got Cole on the show. 
What's going on? Yo, like I said, I'm excited for this one for multiple reasons. Okay, I've been following you for a minute. Um, I don't even remember how I, how I tripped on your page, uh, but blown away by the content you've been putting out and your efforts to attack social media like a, a goddamn warrior. Hey, thanks, man. It's just unreal because you, you, you're so good at finding ways to, A, shoot top-level content, and then multi-purpose that top-level content, if that makes sense. Like, I just lo love the fact that you've taken what you've done, put it on Instagram, you give behind-the-scenes aspects of, like, how you're doing these things on the red carpets and, and so on and so forth. I just think that's so cool. And I feel like for people who are uh, recently turned on to you, uh, everyone knows you for, like, the Glambot content and, and just crushing it at every event ever uh, with all of the top tier, every person that we've ever loved on on screen or in music. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yo, you've you've been killing it in, in, in the commercial space, like, for a minute. And I, I'm curious to hear kind of your experience there first before, obviously, we can cover that stuff later. But you've been do dominating that. And I don't know if a lot of people know that right away when they come across your page. I'm curious to hear, like, how that is for you. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely not as much presence uh, on my social for my directing career just because like the, as far as volume goes it's like I'm not directing commercials as often as I'm putting out Glambot content right so uh, it's a little harder to be aware you got to do a little bit digging uh, to see it but yeah I mean I've been a short form commercial music video director in LA for years prior before doing the Glambot stuff um, but I'm kind of like I mean I'll take it as it comes you know what I mean like whatever gets the eyeballs on my work be it the Glambot and then you get exposed to the other stuff or for some reason you see the other stuff first and then you get to the glam bot, you know, uh, I'm all for it. So it's all good. No, I love that because when we were looking, I was like, I was like, all right, so was it glam bot stuff kicked off career? Was it commercial work kicked off uh, getting the opportunity to do a glam bot thing? And uh, then I found on your profile, there was like a picture of you with really short hair and you were on like a set. And I was like, nope, he was on set way before he started doing this. Way, way before that. Yeah, glam bot's like relatively new. It started in 2016. So I mean... I, it's so funny. It's like I say I say new, but it's four years ago. But I mean, I started directing in LA in two thousand eight, two thousand nine was when I first started doing like actual directing gigs. So, it, you know, on that timeline, you're like, oh, I had done a bunch of stuff already before getting the Glambot, and it was that previous work that put me up to do the Glambot. Right, right, of course. And I feel like having having accomplished so much, it's like you've at that time when you were kind of getting started, you were working with like already top tier artists, like with Miley Cyrus, Katy Perry, you're like directing a ton of commercial work for a high level, uh, for clients. And, and when you were doing that, cause I know you came from Canada and I, I would love to have you come. This is the short form version of our, we're just hitting topic points and I, I hate it cause I really love digging in, especially when I'm meeting someone for the first time, like to hear the path. Um, but having came into it, like that entry level, what were some of the highlights and experiences that you first started with in the commercial space that kind of catapulted your career? Like, what for you, what were some of those moments? Ooh, it's uh, a good question. I mean, really, like, I, I, I have a background in dance. And so when I moved to L.A., like, I used to break and do, like, hip-hop choreography. I used to teach back in Vancouver. And so when I moved out to L.A., my, all my connections were through the dance world. And so I met a bunch of dancers. And then as I'm learning and starting to shoot things, like... Uh, dance is obviously a thing that is both like visually appealing, but also it's like I know all of the dopest dancers in LA, so it's like it's I, you know it would it's my best interest to shoot that top level content, you know what I mean, or like the top level talent, right? And so I started shooting dance stuff, and then that's what led me to do Miley Cyrus stuff, and and like through the dance world, that really sort of like helped pave the way to all of the things that I ended up doing. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, that's kind of, like, the approach as far as, like, a highlight goes. I mean, obviously doing these these dance battle videos with Miley in 2008 was a super highlight. Um, and then that led me to Pink, and then Pink led me to Katy Perry. So it's all sort of, like, tied together. I'm curious to hear your approach. I mean, for, so Black Window Cream is pushes heavy on education, right, for creative. So I would be curious to hear your approach. You landed one job. The job starts to ping and get people interested in, in you and your talents, right? Uh, and this is like a pivotal moment to start really understanding how to communicate to other people and build network and, and really relay that message to everyone else that 
I am indeed the shit. All right. So <laughs> when you're doing that, what, what were some tactics you would use uh, to get the light? Was it just immediate inquiries coming in from people seeing the work or, or how did you start building relationships and what advice could you give to that? It was definitely like not immediate in- inquiries. You know what I mean? Like, so after I did, so the Miley Cyrus stuff, like the first thing that we did was this online dance battle. So we had a bunch of dancers like Miley and her, her friend, her best friend at the time, Mandy had this like little dance crew and she was doing, they were doing YouTube content. So we did these dance videos and we called in all these celebrity favors uh, on her behalf to like be in her dance videos. We shot these like epic dance videos in like 2008, right? And so I shot a bunch of celebrities back then and that got a bunch of like press for the time because it was like one of the earlier instances of like, you know, mainstream celebrities being on YouTube, like that wasn't happening. Like prior to 2008, like that wasn't happening at all. She was kind of the first one. And then a bunch of people followed suit. And so there was a lot of attention on it and I'm directing her videos. And so I'm thinking in my mind, like, oh man, like I'm going to have like all this opportunity and like all this stuff. But it was one of those moments where like, you know, people were aware of it, but it's not like people are like, knocking on my door to direct their commercials at that point. You know, it was still at, at that time, it was still very much like, oh, YouTube is like, that's like not real stuff. You know what I mean? Like now it's so different, the perspective and the climate of like what media and content is. But at the time it was like TV, movies, and like this other digital stuff that the kids are doing. You know what right, I mean? Right, it right. wasn't really validated in any way. And so maybe it was that, maybe it was something else. Maybe I just, I, I hadn't done enough. That was like my first thing, big thing kind of, you know? And uh, it, it, it didn't really, I'm sure it opened doors, but it wasn't very tangible at the time. I wasn't like, oh, I saw you do this, so why don't I get you to do that? Mm. You know, that wasn't really happening. Um, but, you know, the, the thing that I, I mean, I guess I just sort of tried to just keep working. I, my approach was always like, I'm in it for the long game game you know what I mean like I wasn't like oh now I I got some celebs on my reel I can go do whatever it was like okay here's a thing that's dope and I'm proud of it and like it got some attention what's my next thing what's my thing after that where am I going five things from now it was always a long game and so while I might have been and maybe this is my youthful ignorance sort of peeved it wasn't going faster at the time it, that wasn't really a, a problem or a concern. I knew I was in it for the long haul. So it was kind of just like, all right, like, let's just keep grinding and figuring it out. Um, I, I did a bunch of like the next bigger job that I did was with Pink. And that actually came from me shooting for free for a friend. So I all, you know, like there's a huge, it's like this idea of shooting for free is always a huge point of contention and discussion in the uh, creator space. And I think it's really good to do when it's your own decision. If people are like asking you to do free work, you can t- tell them to go F off. But I guess maybe in this case, my friend did ask me. And you're like, but it was sort of okay. like, I don't know, like sometimes, I, I don't know, like, you know, when people are like, oh, you should do it, it'll be good for exposure. Like, you're like, that's super annoying. And I, and you can tell people to F off. But my friend was just kind of like, hey, I, I want to know if you're interested. It doesn't pay anything. And then I weighed the equation. I was like, oh, I'm interested. You know what I mean? Basically, so the, the, the context for that was my friend Allison Falk was choreographing for Pink's Funhouse tour. And this is like a huge job for her. And she wanted some footage of her working with Pink slash Alicia's Pink's name. So Alicia uh, wanted some footage working with her. Uh, and so she asked me to come film. And uh, I was like, yeah, of, of course. You know, it's like my friend and, uh, you know, it'd be cool to meet everybody. So I came and I met Alicia and I met the tour director and they ended up hiring me for like five days behind the scenes. And then after that, uh, they needed an opening video for her tour directed. They needed someone to come on the road and all this stuff grew from that. And had I not been willing to like shoot for her for free just to get some BTS of her working with Alicia, uh, that that door would have never opened. Right. So you know, you have to weigh the equation. And I've definitely, I try to do free work every so often for something that I'm like interested and passionate about. Um, I've done a couple of music videos. I usually end up doing like one a year. Um, I don't don't think I did one last year or the year before, but I've done a a variety of music videos for friends and artists that are just like, I think are dope and we go get creative and and make a thing, you know? No, I love, I love that was like the initial start, uh, for how I was leveraging my early work into a a career, I suppose. No, I think that's great. And I, I'm, it's, it is it is such a weird topic for a lot of people because, uh, and I always refer to it like I can't go into the Mac store and just tell if someone I want that MacBook Pro 16 inch with all the specs for 
I'll give you 300 bucks today or I'll give it to you. I'm going to take that for free. You know what I mean? Cause yeah, you'll go- yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you should give it to me because I'm going to use it and people see me using yeah, it and it's good for you. Like <laughs> it doesn't work like that. But it, I think there is something that I've just, I feel like most of it, my story, your story, like those, those moments, those key moments. Uh, I just had someone in the community talk to me about it today, about how they were, they, they worked on two feature films for free as a PA and then just got hit up by the director now about another feature film that I don't know when they're going to shoot this with this COVID shit, but they, yeah. another feature coming and they're going to hire them on to be a, a gaffer or something and, and you never would have gotten the experience. And I think that that story is so common and so crucial for a lot of creatives that you have to almost pick your poison of like, when, when can this, and also sometimes you just don't know. And I think that getting that experience early can go a long ways. I, I imagine working with Pink for free the one day that then turned into this chain reaction of like all kinds of needs of coal, you know what I mean? For the artists and team turned into not only a great conception for them throughout that tour, but also I'm more people are going to see your work. Now, who's the person behind the camera with her? How did that come out to be like this? And thousands of people see us. It's so, it's so big. I, I love that. It's for you. When you, when you go into those worlds, is your goal to, try and be as creative as possible, maximize their, their, their needs and everything and, and offer it that? Or are you thinking of the long game from this? Like, okay, cool. I could go on this tour. I could do this thing. And, and maybe I, through this, could build a relationship with this person or, or so on and so forth. How do you, how do you plan it? Um, I mean, I think it's like, like I said, I think the long game is always a part of it, but it's not so much like, like trying to position it in some tangible way. I think for me, like the approach is always to like over deliver in my value. You know what I mean? Like that was always a thing with um, her management, with her, with the people sort of on her team, like always trying to really assert my value within that team and a part of that sort of like community uh, to ensure that I am around for the long game. You know what I mean? Because it was like, I think that I was asked to do a bunch of, things that were sort of above what they initially asked me for because I was sort of showing them I could go above and beyond and I could do extra stuff and I was reliable and dependable. Um, I actually have an interesting st- sort of story about that. Like, uh, so we, I shot, we, I directed the opening video for her Funhouse tour and they asked me to shoot behind the scenes for her Funhouse music video like the next day, is I think it was the next day or the day after. So we were shooting on, like, say, a Friday, and then Saturday morning I had to be on set with her for another shoot. And I, I it was a super long day, and it was tough. It was, like, my first big directing, like, real directing thing with the crew and stuff uh, with her on set. And I went home, and I edited the footage, like, just really briefly, like, a little intro together, and I had it on my phone. And then when we went to set, I showed her manager, like, hey, like, I cut together a little thing. And this is sort of very commonplace now, but I was kind of like, uh, I don't know, it was just sort of like, I was like, oh, I want to just show them because I was excited. So I showed her manager, and he was, like, super stoked. And then I remember hearing from someone else, like, a year or two later that he was, like, super impressed with me being, like, on it and, like, having, like, just being prepared and, like, going the extra mile. Uh, I wonder, like, how much that little initial first impression went with him right you know what i mean no, of course. so that kind of stuff and always just being on top of like taking extra photos and making sure they have them and just being real communicative and and making sure we're all on the same page um and doing a- anything i could just to like assert my value within that that team and and fill in the blanks where i where i i saw i i could well it sounds like it i mean it worked like you got yeah. you went on to do a few music videos for her and even the documentary, right? Like uh, it was like a 30 yeah. minute doc. Yeah, we did. We did a couple. We did two different documentaries on two different tours. So the first one on the Funhouse tour and then later for the Truth About Love tour, I did a doc on, on her life on tour. There. Yeah, so it definitely for sure like sealed. Oh, yeah. I think being uh, going above and beyond and, and, and that's always going to help with whatever team you're on. If you can add value and lift that team up and, and maybe even places where they don't even realize that they need to be lifted up, that goes a long way. And obviously you, you, the, the proof is in the pudding. Your, your career has blown up yeah. from it and you have the proof. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. I, I really preach this idea of identifying value and relating that to your sort of rate rather than like what you think you should earn or like what your day rate is like people I you know there's such a common question of like 
oh, how much do I charge? Or like, how much is like, is a day rate for this? Or, or what should, what are people doing this kind of thing, earning in this area or whatever, right? Like trying to figure out your rate. And, and to me, it's always just like, the question is always like, what is the value that you bring client or the person that's hiring you? And that really, that really changes depending on the situation. But if you can identify that and you can understand like what it means to them if you don't do it, that's how you figure out how much you're worth. Because you're worth exactly that much. You're worth it. You're worth like the amount it would cost them if you didn't do it. That's how much you should charge. So there's no, is less bearing on like what gear you have or like, you know, like how talented you are, what other past jobs you have. All that matters is like what you're worth to them. Mm. If it's worth, you know, $500 to them, it's worth 500. If it's worth $5,000 to them because it's going to be huge headed to get someone else, then you're worth $5,000 to them. But it's all about identifying your value to the production and what that means in a dollar amount. And I think that's how you sort of equate your rate. I love that. Yeah, I know. We, we have a guide literally talking about how to charge a client. That's one thing that we to, talk about too is it's so, sometimes you may have to come in at your $500. We're just calling it $500. But you come in at $500 and prove your value and prove what you <laughs> could bring to Elevate. And then you can, you know, bring it up later because they're going to realize absolutely. that they need you. They, that absolutely need you. That you're a tool to them, you know? Yeah, and, they, and that's, that's the thing about working for free and sort of coming in at a low rate or doing favors at first is that, like, they don't – there's your value isn't tangible to them. At, at, it, without a relationship, you are just a guy. It's like you're just a guy. The next guy's just a guy. They're like, what's the difference? There's no inherent difference in that value. But if you get in with them and you sort of, like, show that you can do X, Y, Z, that then becomes valuable and then you can sort of adjust your rate. Yeah. And, and – and then you also have leverage to adjust it because you know what you're worth in that context. And you go, hey, let's talk about my rate. I think I should get paid X, Y, Z now because I've been doing this. Uh, and they're like, oh, I don't know. You know, you walking has that is you leave. You were taking that inherent value with you. And that's the thing that they will pay for. So it gives you so much leverage in negotiating too, like understanding where your value lies. Yeah. Um, because that's that's the thing that you need to negotiate. I love it. Some asset which is your value. You right. Know? Yeah. Man. Well said, friend. It's hey. It is important. I've thought about this a lot. <laughs> I know. Me too. It's important to share that too. I, I just think so many people can find that helpful. I, I going from having been in that music space, um, it, it's easy to stay in the music space, right? It's hard. Uh, sometimes you can get caught in. I've been in the music space for a minute, and it's fun. But then I go and do commercial side stuff, and that's always entertaining too. So. At what point did you start to go into commercial directing um, and, and kind of take that head on? Because I know you did like a, a massive campaign with like CoverGirl. I mean, you've worked with a ton of brands, everyone under the sun. But um, like I saw the CoverGirl stuff. You're working with Katy Perry and all these different people that are just top tier again with a brand attached to it. So you make that shift. Like how was that transition for you? Well, that originally came again through Pink. So I was working with Pink and... Uh she got signed to be a cover girl. Um, I can't remember what year this was, 2012 maybe? I don't really know. But she basically, and at that point too, it's like behind the scene or like digital content was still really just evolving. It was like internet wasn't really fast enough to just be like given, like delivering video content all over the place. But it, I think people knew that it was like valuable to shoot a bunch of stuff, like shoot behind the scenes, have it. I had been doing it with her for a while. And so when she was on her cover girl shoots, she was like, oh, I want Cole to, like, come shoot the stuff, right? Because it was either, again, it was, like, the value, like, have some random guy that CoverGirl and or the production company hires or have this guy that, like, is around all the time and has, like, been backstage with me and, like, knows the ropes and knows how to shoot me and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. I'm happy with them. Like, who do I want to bring? And she's like, she has all the value and all the leverage in that discussion. So she goes, oh, I want Cole. And then they're like, okay, I guess we have to hire Cole, right? So I started working with CoverGirl there. Did a bunch of stuff with her and CoverGirl. And then I think in that time, I had also started working with Katy Perry. So I like wrote and directed essentially like a short film that played throughout her California Dreams World Tour. And so we did a huge production with her. I, I was on the road a, a little bit with her, but just sort of like overseeing the content that I directed for a tour. So that was almost like a big upgrade for me where with Alicia, I was doing like behind the scenes uh, and content, but yeah. then with Katy Perry, it was like I just directed the videos on during the show. You know what I mean? So, um, and then as chance would have it, 
uh, Katie signed to be a cover girl. And then CoverGirl was like, hey, we want you to shoot a bunch of stuff with our new cover girl, Katy Perry, but we need to vet you through her team. And there, and I was like, oh, like, easy. <laughs> like, like, yeah, you want me to just text them right now yeah. and, like, let them know, you know? And then so I told them, and then they checked with them, and they're like, oh, yeah, Cole's great. Then I was doing, like, Katy Perry's and Pink's CoverGirl content, and then I was working with CoverGirl and that ad agency a ton, which was great at the time. And uh, then I was just like, they're guys. So then it's like, they're like, oh, we have a shoot with Ellen or we have a shoot with Sofia Vergara. Or we want you to do it because I was doing all their stuff already. And I started just doing a bunch of CoverGirl stuff for years. And then from that, uh, you know, I was working technically with Gray. So the advertising agency that does CoverGirl, but they also do like Pantene and Revlon um, and All May. And I ended up doing a bunch of stuff with all those brands right. as well. So it was like always like one thing led to another uh, with me and I sort of just like came into this female beauty pop star music kind of yeah. space and and I've and I've worked in that a lot and that in turn was also the thing that led me to the Glambot because I had beauty I had worked with high level talent and I understood like movement through dance it was sort of like oh Cole seems to be like a guy that can tackle all of these aspects of what this Glambot is uh, and bring it to the next level yeah that's Shout first shout out to Pink, bro. Because yeah, no, Pink like like for real. Like I owe a lot of my career to her. No, you owe a lot of your career to your friend that let you shoot the BTS video that one day for free. Like I I I I, I do. Yeah, and actually she just so she's learning how to direct. And I went last summer. I shot. I DP'd her first short film. We went to London together and shot a dance film. So we continually work together, which is super awesome. No, that's awesome. No, I think there's something about being able to parlay relationships and and really like kind of maximize that. But also, you're right. Like in that space, you're kind of becoming this person who is able to accomplish beauty's heart. Right? Beauty is very difficult, especially like with women. Like shooting women is very tough. And when you can master that. Uh, it's it's well respected. Obviously, mastering it with like the top of the top when it comes to the women. But um, what are some tips for people who are getting into shooting beauty and, and some things that you've learned along the way that's helped you grow and become trusted? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know with beauty, it's sort of this weird catch twenty two, right? It's like there's two aspects. It's like there's the technical aspect and know how, but then there's also sort of like your experience and your sort of vetting process, right? So it's like if if it's like if you want to shoot Katy Perry, you can't shoot her unless, or at least I'll put it this way, management won't have confidence in you shooting her unless you've shot her already or someone else of equal level. But like the other person of equal level, it's like they don't want to like take a chance on you shooting her first. So it's like you need to have shot someone else of like equal level. So it's one of those catch twenty twos where it's like. It's like car commercials. It's like no one thinks you can shoot a car commercial unless you've already shot a car commercial, but how are you supposed to shoot your first car commercial? You know what I mean? It's like this weird catch-22 thing, right? But if there, if you can find a way to sort of like sneak in somehow and you have that stamp of approval, then you're good to go for anybody. It's mm-hmm. like so after I had Katie and Pink on my reel, it's like I shot Cher and Brittany and Ellen and, and Tanache and Selena. Like it was just like, oh, you're good. Like you know how to shoot women right but it was and, and I, I honestly like learned the technical aspects along the way I was sort of like lucky in that in that sense um, and sort of yeah like once you have that stamp like you're good to go right. as far as like tips um, big soft lighting sources is really <laughs> kind of frontal like just a big soft light in front is kind of like how you do it um, it's really not hard it's kind of interesting uh, it's not terribly hard but you just want to just make it as soft and as big source as possible. But then it's like, there's also, I guess another aspect too, is like the dynamic of working with that level of talent. It's like, it's different than if you have like uh, a female that you're trying to shoot and make look really pretty that is not like a mega superstar with like an entire machine running behind her. You know, it's like there's not... It's like personality matters in that instance, right? Not only do you have to make them look good, but you have to make them feel like they are confident in you, in them looking good, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like when Katie or or Pink is in the chair, if she doesn't feel like she's getting taken care of as far as like looking how she should, 
then that's going to be a problem. So, and that is completely separate with like how good she actually looks. If she doesn't feel like it, if you're not attending to, you know, whatever things that she needs to be attended to, uh, it's going to be problematic for shooting. And that doesn't mean that like they're always like barking orders for you to like run around to, but, but sometimes that's a possibility. You know what I mean? It's just like, there's many aspects that go into this and it's not so much, it's, it's all of the things from technical personality relationships, past experience. That's why they call it like beauty is so hard. I think any specific niche is kind of hard because they all have these nuances. Um, but it can boil down to, you know, just someone's personality on the day, which happens. Right. And, and everyone that's in that space already is so well practiced and has learned all of the very minute things that make people happy. So you have to catch up to speed when you get into that space and really understand like, what is it that people enjoy about this or, or, or like, yeah. And one thing, one thing I, I, I learned too working in that world, which I never really realized is that like, you know, you hear about people being like divas or having attitudes and like, you know, they come on set for such a short amount of time and they're like cranky and this and that. But like what you don't realize is that person did three interviews that morning and is leaving set immediately after you wrap to do another like TV show interview or have some press thing or like have to approve artwork in like a three hour like creative session. Like their schedules are so packed. Like I was always so surprised. Like we'd be shooting them so fast and then talent would go like, oh, we have to go do another thing. And I'm like, oh, that's insane. Like we're all here all day, like waiting and setting up. You know, and then you come in for like 30 minutes and then you leave. We think it's like, oh, you're just chilling at home, but you're working all day long. And so it's like, if I get you and it's like, you're having a tough time, it's like, there's other people before or like, it's just been a hectic, grueling day. So I try not to pass any judgment because it's like, I don't know what that schedule is like. That sounds insane. No, I <laughs> you know love I mean? that. That's a good point of view. Yeah, you have no idea, man. Like finish that. They fly on a cop in the PJ to fly to London for some other stuff and for it. For you, yeah. it may be like the biggest day, like the biggest budget, the biggest crew you've ever worked with. For them, it's just another task list that they have to knock out. Like they may be passionate about it, but it's like, damn, I got 15 things like this today. And yeah. someone just spilled my coffee and it took 25 <laughs> minutes to get here and I have to wait another 25 minutes again. And that's enough to piss someone off. Yeah, no, for real. It's, it's, it's the truth. It's like you're running around nonstop and you're about to do a thing and someone messes up your coffee order and you have four minutes to drink your coffee. You're like, I'm going to be pissed. You're like, what the hell? Like, I have no time to get another one. Also, what's like, crazy to think about that now is you're already, you already have people just poking at you. You know, especially I mean, with Beyonce and all these artists, women, like they're, everyone does a role. Hair, makeup, all this stuff. They're always touching you on sets, music videos. So you always, and now, now it's even weirder with the COVID shit. You have people touching oh. you, so you're already kind of nervous. And you have so many things to get done. Like, what a weird time. What a weird transition. But... Uh, that's a whole nother conversation. I think what's, yeah. what's cool about that is also your approach, right? So if we, if we slide into, cause I mean, obviously I'd love to talk to you all day long, but, um, you got, you got shit to do. So, yeah. um, the glam bot thing. So coming in using the bull and creating, and could you explain first before we talk about this, can you explain what the glam bot is? Because, uh, my mom listens to every podcast episode and I know she's been wondering what the hell we're talking about this whole time. So could you Great. summarize right. what it is? So, the Glambot is a high-speed motion control camera system that is run and owned by E! Entertainment for their Live from the Red Carpet show. Uh, and it shoots talent on the big award show Red Carpets in this really surreal, slow-motion uh, kind of a visual that is like a new take on the Red Carpet photos. Uh, and so I direct uh, all the Glambots for E! And uh, you basically just shoot super sweet slow motion uh, with basically all the top talent in the industry. So illest job ever. Uh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> so have you been doing? Have you been directing all of those for them from the jump since they since they came up with no. the conception? No. So the very first award season, there was they did uh, the Golden Globes and the Grammys, and they had another director. Uh, and then the following season, they repositioned and they hired me. So how did that? How did you trip into that? So I knew I had worked with one of the red carpet producers, this guy, Eddie Delbridge, in 2008 with Miley Cyrus on that very first job. So when we did those dance videos online, we ended up, it sort of was a bit of a, there's a bit of a buzz back then about it. She was hosting the Teen Choice Awards and they, they wanted to bring these dance crews onto the Teen Choice Awards and, and do an, like an onstage battle at the award show. 
And so, uh, you know, we, me and Allison, the same person, and this other uh, girl, Teresa Espinosa, we sort of choreographed and directed her show. We had a producer assigned to us from the Teen Choice Awards, which was this guy, Eddie Delbridge, who is an amazing, like, live event producer. We kind of hit it off. We kept in touch. We'd have lunch, like, once a year, once every two years. And then eight years later, like, we just followed each other's career. And he had knew what I was shooting with, like, Pink and Katy Perry and CoverGirl. And when they were, like, looking for a new director, it popped in his head, like, oh, Cole would be great because he shot beauty, he knows dance, and he's worked with high-level talent. So they brought me in to meet all the execs. We met. I pitched some sort of ideas for, like, how I saw it working. Uh, and they hired me for the Emmys in 2016. That's insane. Oh, hell yeah. Because this goes all the way back to just being a good person on every job that you're in and being sociable yeah. and really building that network. Because you never know that this person's going to run the show eight years later. You know what I mean? From totally. that job. Yeah, he was like an executive producer of the Red Carpet Show for E! for years after that. And it was like, we just like, I just think he was awesome. We got along. We just kind of kept in touch. And it was never like, oh, I hope he, I mean, you know, I, I think he might hire me again. It was always like, you know, Eddie's dope. I like hanging out with him. We always just get a good vibe. Um, and we just sort of like hit it off and became friends. And it, and it wasn't, you know, we had lunch a million times before he hired me again, eight years later, right. you know, but that wasn't really, obviously, I knew it's possible. He's out there producing stuff, but it was never like, it was just like, just, it was cool. We just like developed a friendship because, you know, we just caught a vibe, right? So you never know how those things are going to play out. What I think is interesting, especially in these these really, and I know you said that the reason you got um, put on the Black Window Cream from the first place was through Cash Bunny and shout out to Cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and shout me, out. me and Cash would go. We went with Jada to the to the um, MTV Music Video Awards, like this last mm-hmm. one. And being on the red carpet is so funny because shit happens so quick. You know what I mean? Every time I've been part of those things, it happens so fast. So you have to kill it, right? You have to kill it really quickly. And I thought it was dope because I think you had, uh, uh, you made a video about your experience with Billie Eilish, which is like Mm -hmm. on your channel, it has, it's like your top three most viewed video or whatever. So what you talked about in that video, and I would love for you to go into that a little bit more is, um, she was passing by. You didn't even know she was going to be there. You, you were able to grab her for a second and you had like one shot to get it right. And the, the depth of field is so shallow and or whatever. You explained it so well, uh, but you had only a, a micro moment. So I'd love to hear about um, that story. But also, how do you uh, manage that time to make sure that you kill it, making sure the gear is working properly? I'm sure you have a crew that kind of is killing that and making sure everything's running properly, but being able to communicate how to make them feel comfortable. You already talked about that. You want to make them feel like uh, uh, beautiful and these people to feel massive and, and like this is going to be a cool, I know it looks weird, it's going to be cool. Uh, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, that's definitely a thing that I'm like trying to figure out because sometimes, like a lot of the times it gets across well and I feel like talent understands sort of like what I'm trying to do and what they need to do to look its best but then sometimes it just doesn't really work. You know what I mean? Like, uh and it's just sort of a hard thing you're always negotiating um, with talent, like how much or how little to get them to, to do it. And I guess the pressure is on because, as you said, it was like I only have a moment. I would say like 90 to 95 percent of all the glam bots you've ever seen are all just one take. Like we don't ever get a second chance. Awesome. You know what I mean? Um, on occasion, if like they feel like they didn't really like it or they felt awkward, they can ask for another take and sometimes we'll do one. On occasion, we'll know instantly there was some technical issue and we'll ask to do one again. Um, But by and large, it's like one and done. You know what I mean? I have 30 seconds to explain how to to do it safely, make them feel comfortable, make sure they feel good, uh, make sure we end up with a good glam bot. You know, so there's a lot going on. I mean, it helps that I do it like 60 times a night. You know what I mean? But, um... I don't, I don't really know. There's, I don't know what like tangible thing I could say as far as my approach. Um, and I almost think that that's kind of like, that's kind of a thing that I think works well with this behind the scenes content. Cause it's really just like me being me in a sense of like being just friendly and personable. And like every person is like, I kind of say the same things, but every interaction is just different. You know what I mean? Because I'm like trying the first thing that I try to do is just like suss out how they're feeling. Like, are you excited? Are you happy? Are you are you gonna be reserved? Are you gonna be expressive? And so as I'm like going through my explanation, I'm really trying to figure out like how much can I get them to do? How little can I get them to do? 
Um, and there's a lot going through my head. Um, you're treating I, them like I, humans. Like you, you, you treat them like real people. You know what I mean? Like it's not just like, oh, I'm so excited. You're tre- talking to them so normally. And that's I do love about the behind the scenes is it's so casual. And you bring them in and you make them feel very comfortable immediately. And that makes them trust you. And sometimes they're going to give you a, a major twirl or do some wild shit. Or sometimes uh-huh. they're just kind of probably like, <laughs> I'm sure you have some scratches where you're just like, nah, it's not that cool. Because they did not get what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I always sort of try to like, people, you know, I always sort of try to take responsibility for that. I'm like, if they didn't do something, it's my fault. You know what I mean? It's not because like they didn't want to. It's because I didn't communicate it in a way that resonated with them for them to understand. Now, granted, it's not like everybody's going to want to do a jump or a big spin, right? But, you know, it's, I always look at it. I take it my responsibility. It's, it's my piece of footage in a sense. I'm the director. If it doesn't turn out right, that's on me. It's not on them. Right. They're the actor. You know what I mean? So, but um, is there pressures from from whoever you're working with at, at that time to, you know, if an artist comes through, is there, I, I don't know, is there a lot of pressure for you to make sure it hits? Because there are so many variables about it being properly. I mean, it could literally just be out of focus because they leaned in too far, and that, that is that happens. Is. That happens a lot. You know what I mean? Like because we have to shoot like wide open because we're shooting at a thousand frames a second. We need so much light, so the depth of field is super shallow. And the mark is like so, so small. So if they're a lot of times when you're like, hey, do something big, they're like, ha, and they move forward, like they're totally soft. You know what I mean? So it's like we have to, I have like a lot of the technical aspect of my job is like trying to get a sense for like what they're gonna do. And if they're gonna lean forward, if they're gonna move, I'll like start them away from the mark so they lean into the mark. You know, I do that a lot. But sometimes, you know, they're gonna, they say they're gonna do one thing, they end up doing another thing. You know what I mean? So it's just like, there's, there's a lot of, there's pressure in the sense of like, you know, I, I mean, it's like, I, I say only one take, but like, if it does go horribly wrong, it's dependent on the talent. You know, it's like Brad Pitt is not doing another take. If I'm like, Hey, that one got messed up. They'd be like, ah, bye. See you yeah. later. You know what I mean? They're like, we're going in. Yeah. But you know, for a good percentage, like say for the top, top tier, like you're definitely only going to get one take. Like if Beyonce came. I only getting one take. I'm not gonna be like, oh, can we do that again, please? They'd be like, no, we're we're already at the other end of the carpet. You know what I mean? You, they have so much to do already, as you already said. It's like you have that micro moment to just execute exactly. at a high level. Exactly. They're doing a million interviews before. They're doing stuff after. So we don't have that much time. But you know, like push come to shove. On you know, I can always ask too. And the worst they can do is say no. So it's like I, I do have that in my pocket. You know what I mean? So there is sort of like a plan B if it does go wrong. Um, but I, I think the pressure really comes from just wanting to get like high level talent, you know, like wanting to get the Brad Pitt, the Billie Eilish, Scarlett Johansson, like these top A-listers. And they, you know, it's like they don't, a lot of them don't do press. A lot of them will just, or sort of like interviews. A lot of them will do the red carpet photos and then like walk straight in. So it's like Bradley Cooper's coming, just whoop, straight in. Leonardo DiCaprio's coming, just whoop, straight in. Doesn't doesn't stop, doesn't look. The publicists are just like, no, 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 no. And they're just like walking straight. Crazy because if they saw what it was, like it's such new technology and very little people have been shot this way. You know what I mean? It's one of those things, For to be honest, when I, see, when I saw your page, I was, I was like, damn, it's a great idea. You know what I mean? I was like, shit. Yeah. And it was the same thing when you see Dave Myers do it with Kendrick in uh, yeah. um, uh, Humble. I don't know what, yeah. what music video was it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was Humble. Was it Humble? I think. And, and all yeah. of a sudden you're seeing him use it, and I'm like, damn it. He used the bolt so well, and now everyone's just like, bolt, bolt, bolt in music videos, and they're trying to emulate yeah. it because it's just, it's that thing. And that's become like your thing because I see it like transcend beyond that. People are going to want it outside of it, like you did it with Comedy Central and, and so on and mm-hmm. so forth. But it is, it is just crazy to see the technology and then to think like, if the publicist would just hold up for a second and let them look at it and see, they'd be like, oh, shit, that's kind of fire. I want to I wanna get a video. Yeah, I mean, and I think actually, you know, like all of these behind the scenes are like raising the profile of the Glambot. And I think that celebrities are and like talent are being aware of what it is because I've noticed like people are, are they know what it is coming in and they get excited about it. And even like with Ariana Grande, like her publicist said no. And then she's like, wait, what is this? They're like, Glambot. She's like, yeah, yeah, I want to do this. And she came in and the publicist is like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? But like they, a lot of the times publicists say no. I don't know if like they should be aware, you know right. what I mean? But, but 
for whatever reason, it's happened a few times where publicists are like, no, and then they're like, oh, talent sees it and is like, oh, yeah, 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 no, I want to do that. And then they come over and they do it. You yeah. Know what, I mean? what was that like with Ariana Grande? Because I know that video blew up and, and she shared, did she share the BTS? Yeah, she posted on her feed. Like when I, like that one was like the perfect storm of like all of the things that make a Glambot like just extra exceptional, right? So, so first and foremost, like her actual just the Glambot was like, unbelievably stunning like with the dress flowing and like the look and like her whole glam like just that would have been enough to sort of like make this thing do really well but then the other thing that happened was i scared her which is always like fun and charismatic you know what i mean like that happens every so often like i've scared camille cabello and a few other people and just the reaction is like cute and charismatic so that makes it a little special and then she, you know, came over and like looked at the monitor with me. We had a little moment over there together. We took a selfie. She asked my name. You know what I mean? So it's like all of these little things sort of like add to the interesting factor of like that particular Glambot. Um, and then, you know, with her, I don't know, like she's 150 million followers or whatever. And so for her to post her at the Glambot, you know, being shot and being scared by it and it being this fun little moment... Um, you know, like everybody, every other celebrity follows her and they see it and they know what it is. So it's like those kinds of things really help elevate it. And even like the year before when Lady Gaga was uh, promoting The Star is Born, I shot her for every single award show every time. And and like for the Golden Globes, she posted no other media but the Glambot that we shot of her. So like that, like Gaga's doing it and posting it. I think every other celebrity's like, I want to do this. You know what I mean? So that kind of thing like really, really helps too, I think. No, it's an awesome chain reaction. And and you're also, who knows, to go into two years from now when Ariana or, or Gaga or anybody starts to be like, wait, I remember that dude that shot that. We should use them for X, Y, Z, and then that parlays into other jobs. But it is cool to see how. I mean, think about it. You get the stock. You get the photos that everyone's used to. You get some interviews that they're tired of already saying the same thing about that movie. And then you can have the illest like slow motion video ever made. You know what I mean? That literally yeah. is brand new tech. Like, of course they're gonna want to post that. It just looks so cool. And and finding ways to utilize that outside of you know you, you become comfortable there, and then you've taken it outside. It's just so unique. Uh, and I, I also like that. Um, how, how you capture behind the scenes. So I'm curious about that. How, did you pitch that to say like, hey, is it cool if I also film this and use it on my channel? Because I think you're adding oh, to the oh, awareness. Oh, no, sir, I did not. You did it. All right, that, respect. Because <laughs> no. I know that that so, could be tough. Yeah, I just did it. I was like, you know, and it comes into this social, like the thing you mentioned at, at the top of the show when you're like, oh, you're attacking social. Like I think in 2017, I made the conscious decision to use social, to approach social like an aspect of my career. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, this is now, this isn't so much sort of like fun and with my friends and let me kind of post some stuff. I'm like, this is a, 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 a quarter of my career. This is my marketing. This is my promotion. I am looking at this like it's a, a facet of my job and I'm going to work on this just as much as I sit down and edit. I'm going to sit down and like plan and like figure out what I'm doing on social. And so it, I don't know, I don't know where, I don't know where I got the idea from. I mean, the idea in itself is like, oh, shoot behind the scenes. It's like, okay, that's common. You know what I mean? Um, But then it just sort of like, I think I, I think I had, I think for one of the Oscars, I had the producer taking some behind the scenes photos on her phone. Like if it was someone dope, I'd be like, hey, can you like snap a couple pictures of like me working with whoever? And so she would, and then I think one of them, she like took, she's like, oh, I got a video too. And I cut the behind the scenes, that video with the, the end result. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like you see the real time and then you see the result. Like that's kind of cool. Um, and I think the next year I was like, oh, I should, I should like have a thing so I can film all of them. And I set up a, a little rig with like different cameras. I had like an RX100 and like a GoPro 5 and like some other random thing. Um, and I shot like a bad version of the behind the scenes. And then from then it slowly evolved into like what it is now where I have like a whole kit with like multiple GoPros with like, like articulating arms that clamp onto things. And like my, I'm like mic'd up. So it's like a whole thing now. Um, but in short, no, no, there's no BTS person. It's just you literally no, setting up rigs. It's just, I mount, I mount all of the GoPro cameras on the lighting trusses and, wow. and the rigs and stuff. Um, and I just, I, I record them all, I sync it and I edit it, but I, I never asked if I could do it. I just sort of did it and like sort of asked for, 
forgiveness, not for permission, but it's like, it's done well for them. You know what I mean? It's like, it's really like the, the final product glam bots like do okay on socials, but I think, you know, the, the behind the scenes outperform those of quite significantly. So I think they're like stoked. And, and since then we've like talked about like what I should be doing, like as far they want to make sure they have present, like E has presence. So I make sure I always have the bug on there. I make sure I always tag them, which is great. I mean, it's, that's how it should be. And I'm happy to, um, but it's just sort of like, I think they're kind of like, oh, this is good for us. You know what I mean? So let's just keep it all going. Everybody's everybody's happy kind of Yeah. Thing. No, I think, and it's so cool to be able to give that to a lot of people because so many people are wondering and imagining, like, what does it take to make that happen? Or how long did it take them to shoot that? Because you would think it'd take quite a while and you're able to show a 30-second video that's like, hey, come here, shot the video, yeah. see ya, and then that's it. Yeah. What, do you, what do you do when it does come to editing? So are, are you having real-time editors on, on the fly there? They're cutting and, and creating the moments? Oh yeah, so for the actual glam bot itself, it's like there's a crew of about 13 people that are working towards making a singular glam bot. Right. And you know, once we shoot, like they're online on E's socials and even in the live show within 15, 20 minutes. Wow. So we have a truck. So the camera's like pipeline via fiber optics to a truck. Signal goes in there to an inject. The, the phantom operator sees, is controlling the camera from the truck. He sends it to the ingester. The ingester puts it on a server. The editor pulls it off the server. He edits it. He pushes it out to the live show and to social. Social person uploads it and then it's online. God. So I'll be like on my phone and like, oh, I'm like, oh, I did that person 20 minutes ago. I did that person like 10 minutes ago, you know? So it's like they're pumping them out as it's happening because for the Oscars, for the Grammys, it's like, it's such a live minute by minute thing. You want those out like ASAP, but you need a whole squad to do yeah, it. Yeah, you do. You know? Cause it's, I mean, already editing, just going through phantom footage alone. I mean, you're shooting a thousand frames. Like yeah. that's unreal time to spend cutting, to be able to build a system like that is so key. That's crazy. I, yeah. I, I love that. So then from there, you know, what, what is your plan now moving forward? I'm curious because it's like, that's probably taking up a ton of, well, was taking up a ton of your time. Um, and I'm sure you were slated to do a ton more this year. Uh, but what, what, what is your goal now from creative? Like how, what do you find to be like the intriguing thing for you that makes you want to keep creating on top of the fact that you're building such a cool social presence of feeding content to people. So you're, I'm sure you're just constantly thinking of new content you can provide to those audience, your audience as well. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I'm really enjoying sort of, like, the YouTube space as of right now. Like, that's uh, an area of social that I'm spending more time on, and it's fun to create these longer videos. Because, you know, like, on Instagram and, like, TikTok or whatever, it's, like, and Facebook, it's, like, one-minute videos of these glam bots, which is cool. But, like, on YouTube, it's, like, I get to sit down and talk a little bit more, give a bit more context, and even just create more different content uh, about what I'm doing in my life that is a little bit longer form. And that's been really fun. Um, and, and again, it's like, it's just another, it's like, it's, it's work. Like the idea that I like getting hired to direct commercials and music videos or whatever, that sort of in, in itself inspires me. But the idea that I get to create my own stuff and now I have this audience like that I can share it with. It's like, I have my own distribution channel on demand you know what I mean that I can like make content and put it out there and there's an audience to see it which is super fun and exciting so I'm just like really excited to be making more stuff um yeah and it just sort of perpetuates itself uh you know I I I think for this coming award season I I don't know you know like your guess is as good as mine with what's gonna happen um it was sort of looking up for a bit but as the past few days it's kind of been looking down lately so you know I I don't really know but there's always, you know, like if that all goes away, it'll be a bummer, but you know, I'm still going to be like making my own stuff and shooting more. And, and, you know, I've been, I've been really like trying to focus on jump, making the jump from short form to long form. So like I've been working on a couple feature scripts and like really trying to make that long form narrative jump. And so that's really been a big focus of mine in addition to like making as much content and being as active on social as I can to further my career and my presence in making being a content creator essentially. right i love that then uh, probably by the next time we have award shows you'll uh the next glam bot operator will be pulling you aside and, and directing your twirl man oh wouldn't that wouldn't that be wouldn't that be the best you know what i mean like that's that's the goal man uh i, I as we close up i would out of you know you had the ariana story what what was like a, a one of your favorite highlights outside of that one from being able to pull someone off to the side and execute like a high level piece of content like what was one, one of your favorite moments from from being on the carpets oh i mean i think like this past year like brad pitt you know what i mean like he's just such an icon and in addition to that he was just like the coolest guy you know what i mean and it was always like 
like our whole night was positioned, not positioned, but like we, the goal was to get him. You know what I mean? Because we knew that he was doing a lot of press for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and he had been like fun and playful in, in press leading up to the Oscars. And sort of he was, I don't know if he was like favored to win, but he was like, people were like excited about the idea of him winning. And so everybody really wanted to get Brad Pitt, but it's like, you never know. And it always comes down to like, they're walking by and like the way you ask the publicist is like, that might determine whether or not you get them. You know what I mean? And so with, especially with big celebrities like that, it's like they come at the end when it's like super busy and there's like the show starting and they're like walking through, you know? So he's like beelining it right past us and like we're pretty much at the end of the carpet. Like there's a couple little interviewees like outlets after us, but essentially we're the last big booth and then the door is right. Like those big grand stairs, like we're right around the corner from that. Right. So as soon as they pass us, it's like they're up the stairs and they're in the building, right? And so it's either like do this thing or like go right, go right there. It's inside, like you're done as soon as you go right there, you know? So the draw to like just go inside, it, it must be high, right? So he's walking by, and I don't remember because uh, we have uh, these field producers that are talking to publicists, and I don't remember I don't I don't remember overhearing the pitch, but I just remember like seeing him and just being like in my mind, just being like please 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 please. He's like walking down, we see him coming, and then he like looks over, and he's like they're like how long, and they're like oh super fast. He's like all right, like let's do it, let's do it. And he comes over, and he's just like what's up, man? How you doing? And he's super cool and super nice, and like you know I grew up watching this guy's films, and it's just like he's. He's a legend, yep. you know what I mean? And so, and he was just so nice. And I was like, oh, you're like the coolest, like most friendly guy ever. And he just did a super cool move. The other thing I should add too is that like Glombots with men is kind of like, it's a little weird. They have like less to do, you know what I mean? Like with girls, it's like you can flip the hair, twirl the dress, spin, you know what I mean? But like guys, it's like, especially they're just like not as used to it. Like, Girls, you're like, oh, do like a, a cute pose. They, they have 20 that they can pull from. But with men, you have less practice and there's less sort of like, what are you going to do? Yeah, they like want to pose so, for a photo naturally. Yeah, you know what I mean? And like it, it, it's just sort of like it's sometimes a little tricky to, to like figure out moves for men. You know what I mean? Um, but he was just like just on it. And like I don't even know what that move was. It was kind of like a punchy thing, but it was just cool and dynamic. And he was super cool. And I think that that moment like really stood out to me as uh, just something super fun and, and, and a little special. And, and when you're directing them, are you giving them examples of moves they could do? Or are you just kind of like explaining what it would look like and allowing them to kind of free thought? It, it's, a, it's a combination, to be honest. Um, some people like, some people come prepared. They're like, oh, I'm going to do this. And some people are like, I don't know, what should I do? Like, tell me, give me a move to do. And so it really, it, they all range in between those two extremes. Um, I try to, again, get a sense for, like, what they're feeling like. You know, my first thing is, like, do I get the sense they're feeling like doing something dynamic? Like, could I get a jump, a spin out of them, a big move? Or do I feel like they want to be a little bit more subdued and controlled? And that that can come pretty quick. Like, after we say hello and, like, how you doing, I'll get a sense. Like, you can get a sense for, like, how dynamic they're willing on being just based on the fact that how they say hi if they're like hey how's it going you're like oh you're gonna do something fun if they're like hi nice to meet you you're like okay maybe you're just gonna chill a little bit right yeah um but you have to use all those cues to like figure it out um and it doesn't necessarily mean that if they're not willing to do something super expressive and dynamic it doesn't make it bad it just like makes tells me that like i need to maximize whatever it is that they are doing or like what's the biggest version that i could get them to do to feel comfortable with so there's a lot of those negotiations kind of going on in my head as I'm meeting and talking to them. No, sure. I love that, man. Yeah, it's 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 just so cool to watch it and to see it grow. And I know you, you just celebrated your million followers and you got like six million on TikTok and that shit's just going to keep booming. And I'm like Hell proud yeah. for you, dude. I don't even know you until now. So I'm, <laughs> I'm really proud for you, man. It's a, it's a cool thing to watch and it's cool to see someone you know really multi-purpose the what they do and share it out and you've just found a couple different avenues that are really sticking for people i think it's inspiring creators all over the place and and i'm glad that you were able to do the show man i really appreciate it oh cool thank you for having me man yeah i've been a fan of yours in the show for a while like i said like i said i've been watching since i first saw um cash on here and it's just like it's really cool to share some insight with like that creative audience you know what i mean like i know like i feel like your audience is very much in line with like how i approach 
you know, my career and like doing the same kind of a thing. Um, so it's really cool to kind of share insight with, with that audience. And I'm stoked. Shit, man. We appreciate it. And I hope you stay safe out here. And hopefully award shows start kicking back into gear and we can get it back on set. For real. Fingers crossed, man. I'm, I'm hoping for it. All right. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Awesome, buddy. Thank you. That's it for episode 201. Huge shout out to Cole for coming on the show. I appreciate you, bro. Um, If you are new to the podcast, do us a solid. Hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to. Uh, We do this every single week. We talk to legends like Cole and all kinds of different creatives to try to give you guys the insight and the information that, uh, you know, I wish I had when I was coming up. And I think, you know, there's a lot to learn here. We just hit 200 episodes, which is pretty fire. So go dig in. Tons, tons for everybody to to enjoy. That's it though. Shoot us a text if you haven't already and join that. We're kicking out weekly motivation and lessons that we're learning from each podcast episode every single week. The number is in the description. And uh, hopefully you take up what I, uh, you know, that 15% discount code on the merch store that I gave you earlier at the beginning of the show because uh, we're only going to do that for two weeks. But that's it. All right. Enjoy the work week. Keep creating. We'll see you in a few days, you bitch. (laughs) 